0: If you'd like to turn to Psalm 100, page 604, my honor to say a few words on it. Um, Children, if you're making notes or drawing, um, let's see, draw something that makes you happy, or draw something that makes you sad, or maybe draw a robin bird singing when the morning comes, alright? Now then, this message, for most of it, I'm going to be clarifying what I mean because you'll misunderstand me and I don't want that to happen because it's about being joyful. And you might think, well, what do you know, you little squirt? You don't know anything that I'm going through. What do you know about life? You're only 38 and I understand that. So when I talk about joy, I don't mean that I think we should all have plastic smiles and never cry And grieve. Okay? So I'm gonna ask a few different questions. And it should all be linked. Question number one: Do you find that praising someone or being negative about someone, or if you hear praise about someone or negativity about someone, it affects the way you see them? You find that? Some nods. Um, someone's words about someone else can like, cause a fog over someone in the way that you see them. Yeah, that ever happened to you? Um, or someone saying something nice about someone can help clear fog over your opinion of someone. Now, next question. Do you find this? There's a fog over the name of the Lord in Wales at the moment, generally speaking. People haven't quite got who he is. Definitely not worshipping him. As they should. You find that? Okay. Now is it possible that some people in this community, their foggy view of God would be cleared if we were really good at praising Him instead of being negative and grumpy? Would it help some people to come to know the living God if the church would say things like this, to the king of all ages, immortal, invisible, the only God. Be honor and glory and praise forever. Amen. And that was just a statement of our lives. I wonder how, many, how much fog would clear between um, the community and God and their view of him. If we were better at that. So here's another question. Are you generally happy or sad? Are you generally hopeful or hope less. Here's another one. Are you generally angry and bitter? Or happy and joyful? I was listening to Adele in the garden the other day. Don't judge me. And um, her lyrics always make me think. Here's some lyrics from Adele. I won't sing them. <clears throat> when I was a child, every single thing could blow my mind. Soaking, soaking it all up for fun. But now I only soak up wine. Guess you have to listen to it for yourselves then. Because that's quite a pertinent lyric. Then to the main bit. They say to play hard, you work hard, and find balance in the sacrifice. Yet I don't know anybody who's truly satisfied. That's Adele saying that. She's got loads of money. She doesn't know anyone who is truly satisfied. Is it possible for Adele to meet someone, or your work colleagues or neighbors to meet someone who is satisfied because Adele hasn't found anybody yet? Are they out there? Right, linked to that, I read an article um, on the global rise of unhappiness. Unhappiness has been soaring since 2006. It's called the negative experience index. And it's linked to stress and people getting angrier and well-being and inequality. And five million people were asked to survey. And I'm going to give it to you to see where you are on the spectrum. Because church isn't supposed to be different or separate. Well, as in totally like isolated from the world. What we do here is supposed to affect people out there. Understand? So, where are you? Here we go. Here's the test. Imagine a ladder. Imagine a ladder with steps numbered from 0 at the bottom to 10 at the top. You got it? 0 at the bottom, 10 at the top. The top of the ladder represents the best possible life for you. And the bottom of the ladder represents the worst possible life for you. On which step of the ladder would you say you personally feel and stand at this time? Right, take five, minutes, uh, five seconds. Now, five million people were asked that in 2006. 3.4% of them said their lives were number 10, the best. Only one6 said their lives were a zero, the worst possible life. But... After 15 years of tracking them, the numbers have shifted recently. The number of people living their best lives now has doubled to 754 percent but the number of people who say they are living their worst lives right now has more than quadrupled to 7.6%. So what we're discussing this morning isn't irrelevant. And at the moment, there's a huge amount of worker disengagement and unhappiness. Have you got a job? Are you disengaged and unhappy? Because lots are. And this isn't just an HR problem, this affects the bottom line money that businesses are making, which affects how much income you're getting and whether you can go to the shop and buy food. So. Business units with engaged workers have 23% higher profit, but those employees who are not engaged cost the world $7.8 trillion in lost productivity, which is 11% of the global GDP. And the reason so many people are disengaged at work and miserable are too vast for me to list. But I'm telling you, misery matters. And us not being constantly miserable affects almost every part of this world. So we're in it this morning. And here we are with a psalm that says this in this not very accurate NIV. Shout for the Lord. No, it doesn't say that. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth, worship the Lord with gladness. And come before Him with joyful songs. This isn't easy to preach, because I'm going to tell us to give thanks. Um, but there may be people in the room who legitimately cannot see anything to give thanks about. And maybe we can help each other this morning. Maybe we can blow the fog away this morning In what we're going through. Not necessarily blowing the situations away. But the fog. I was talking to a friend of mine last week. And I said to them. How come the Christian in the family. Is often the miserable one in the family. Have you noticed that? Um, Almost like we become too godly to smile. Um, And I know that Christians are awakened to serious things. And we do contemplate deep things. So there is a point to be. Deep, but our danger is we're just miserable, and we've we've got it all jumbled up. And what holiness is? And Psalm 100 seems to say this. It seems to assume that Christians are capable of not being miserable all the time. It's possible, and I know. Don't misunderstand me. The park enders aren't miserable all the time. I'm not telling us off this morning, really, but I know this. We can all improve in the joyful praise giving of the Lord. And that will massively affect our community. Because the Bible often says that we can have satisfaction in Him. And lots of the time we don't have it. And it's possible for Adele to walk in this building and meet someone and think, Huh, they've got something that money cannot buy. But again, I'm not calling us to be plastic and fake. And we must be real. And we do have causes to cry. And we should cry. And grieving is good. But sadness is different to grumpy, hate-filled bitterness, which can fester. Can't it? I read recently that anger is never static. It keeps friends. And anger's friends is often bitterness, And hatred. It's like when you spill a drink on a white top, it can spread. And if you don't watch anger, it will spread and you will become a statement of bitterness. I also read this being deliberately thankful guards against bitterness and a sense of entitlement that the world owes us. Deliberately thankful. Because it's easy to wake up in the morning and choose to feel hard done by. And I know some of you are going through it, and that's not what you're doing. But for me, I could wake up in the morning and just choose to be hard done by in life. And Psalm 100 says, Thankfulness keeps us from being bitter. And we could show Adele that if we're stripped of everything in life, we can still be at peace and at joy. And if I'm being honest with myself, I'm not always there. So I'm in this with you this morning. Praising together is a powerful fog-removing antidote. Um, Bonhoeffer said, I go to church so my church family members sitting next to me can see that I'm still here and I've still got reason to praise. That's why I go because we're in this together to help remove the fog together. So it's possible to come to church and not get the clipboard out and grade and critique everything you see and do, but actually come as a statement that I'm still here. Look, he's been good to me. He can be good to you. And so here's another question. If you really count your blessings, could a Christian ever really say We've got every right to be miserable and bitter. I'm not so sure we could. if we stopped this morning and help the cobwebs blow off our praise. Maybe some of us are here this morning to hear God say this to us. You need to pray to have your desire to be thankful back, because it's not there at the moment. You don't even want to be thankful anymore. But you're here this morning to remember certain things about God, to recondition my soul, to look up, not to have a cheesy plastic fake smile, but to be peaceful in what you're going through. Another problem is, um, I read once, some people's faces in church say, welcome in, whereas other people's faces say, beware of the dog. My problem is, though, even when I'm happy, i got a face that sort of says beware of the dog, because I'm limited by my genes, and my dad has got a stern face, so some of us just look stern. So I'm not trying to mold us into something we're not this morning. Um, I was in my last church, and someone came up to me after a few weeks of me being there. he said, I don't like your face. <laughs> he said, you look angry all the time. I said, oh, I thought I was happy. Um, I'm trying to look happy. I remember in primary school, and they took pictures of me, and I had to force a smile, because it's just not there. It looked like I got trapped wind in all my school photos. Like, And we can't be someone we're not. Um, I remember when Rita was pregnant, and the health visitor, or whatever they're called, came to the house, and uh, she clocked my face. She kept saying, you should smile more, and that just makes things worse, doesn't it? Um, Are you happy you're having a baby? That's what she used to say. Uh, Are you going to be a smiley dad? I was like, well, I'm not going to smile now, am I? (laughs) Um, So when I say, I'll beware the dog, like, you're limited by what you look like. So this isn't a fake and false thing that we're going to go out looking like tele-evangelists in the community. But what I mean is, beware the dog if you have... Frequent, dark, bitter thoughts about life, church, and God bubbling and festering. Because some of us should count our blessings if that's the case. Like we have not been treated as our sins deserve this morning. If we're alive, we're not under judgment, we're Christians, that's, that's enough. So I'm not cheapening, but verse 3 uh, even if all else is crumbling it's possible to come before the lord and praise and know that the lord is god it's he who has made us and we are his we are the sheep we are his people and the sheep of his pasture maybe there's someone here this morning and everything is crumbling everything And all you've got is to say all I know is that God is good or God is God. That's all I've got because everything else has been taken away. And here's my question for the children which I gave the answer away. Um, Who is the first bird in the morning to sing? Do you know the answer? He knows because I told you at the start, didn't I? Draw a Robin. robin. It's apparently a robin that wakes you up in the morning. Because a robin has apparently got the largest eyes, like in proportion to his body. So the robin detects the first glimmer of light in the morning, and his dawn chorus, because he's only like a little weedy one, isn't he? His dawn chorus is probably I've just survived another night of darkness. Don't forget me, sunlight. I'm still here with my little beady eyes. I don't have much around me, I'm not an eagle. All I've got is that I have survived and I'm praising. And I'm going to wake people up by saying, I've made it. I've survived the cold night. And there may be people in the room and you're just a robin this morning. All you've got is, I've survived. I know that the Lord is God. I've survived. You can even, even say this, thank you for being with me through the cold night and just getting me through. That's cause to praise. Thank you for entrusting with me with my troubles, because you're growing me as a person in ways that I wouldn't have done. I've just survived. Thank you. So know that the Lord is God. The Lord, in that verse, is capital letters, and this is key to praising. I'm going to say something now, which some of you will be bored, and some of you will be interested Um, The Lord there in capital letters. Do you know why it's written in capital letters? Lord, L-O-R-D. Because Adele needs to know why it's written in capital letters. Okay, Um, let me teach you something. Elohim is a word in the Bible about God, and it just means like mum or dad, Elohim. But this word Lord, it's his personal name. Not like an object, but his personal name. And in Exodus chapter 3, this Lord tells Moses, tell the people, um, Echye has sent you. This means I am. That's my name. The problem is, Moses can't go to the church and go, I have sent you, because they'll be like, what are you talking about, Moses? You're not sending us anywhere. So, in the next sentence, God gives Moses Another version of his name, which is uh, Yahweh, which means he will be. Oh, you know this God? He will be, and he is sending us. The thing is, though, stay with me, that name is so sacred to the Israelites that they stopped saying Yahweh. And they used another word in Hebrew for Lord, which is Adonai. Did you know that? Alright, you still with me? And the Israelites, just to make sure that they didn't say the sacred name, came up with a visual device to make sure you say Adonai, not Yahweh. So they took, ready, the four consonant letters of the divine name, which in English is Y-H-W-H. And they inserted the vowels from Adonai, and combined it into a new hybrid word for the name of God. And it's pronounced Yahweh. Right? The Israelites don't even say that, because God is so special to them. But later scribes didn't know that Yahweh was an artificial word, and when they said it aloud, they spelt it the way they said it, and it entered the English Bible as Jehovah. Right? Jehovah. So, the capital Lord is that divine name, Jehovah. And when it's in lower cases, it can also mean Lord. But it can mean other stuff as well, like shepherd and master. But sometimes it means God as well. But it always means Yahweh in capital letters. Behind these letters is this name, Jehovah, Lord, Adonai, I am, from everlasting. And by the way, then the Greeks got involved with the translation, and they translated Adas and Adonai as Kuthios, which you know is Kyrios. And, and then one more bit, sometimes that Yahweh is used for every member of the Trinity, mostly the Son, and sometimes it's used in the same verse for different members of the Trinity. It's fascinating. But I've told you that to send you to sleep. No. No. No, that is not why I did it. I did that so that you don't gloss over this fact. Are you ready? This psalm says Donald Trump isn't God, money isn't God, you're not God, I'm not God, cancer isn't God, accidents aren't God, Jehovah is God. The triune, loving family of three, the fountain of life and light and love, and holiness, and fire, and goodness, and judgment, and peace, and justice, and kindness, and magnitude. Father, Son, and Spirit is your Lord. And we are His children. And He loves us. And we can come today and be grateful for it. And when we fill out surveys on where we are on the ladder of life, we could be way at the top. Whatever we're going through. Because the Lord is on the throne. And He knows when a sparrow falls. And He knows when my hair falls. And He knows where I trip and stumble in life. And He is my Father. He is whatever I'm going through. That's this Lord. He's good when all else around me is bad. And on a practical level, let me tell you why it matters in church. At the moment, I've been wrestling with, how do I visit everyone in Park End? It's an impossible task, especially because we're growing. Then I can't sleep at night, worrying that I've let you all down. So, because a minister these days, nobody comes to church anymore, so I can't just visit you all, because then I'll be like a chaplain, but the church doesn't grow. I'll just chaplain us into a grave. So I also have to be like a project manager, like a media presence, because that's where people are at the moment, and a teacher and a visitor. So I'm putting this like plan together to help effectively reach everyone. But here's why I'm saying that. Because even if I fail, and I probably will, and you don't hear much from me, and my care for you is useless, guess what? God is still on the throne, and He loves you. And He's got you more than us elders ever could. And His name is mighty. And He's good. And you are safe and loved. However church might serve you or fail you. He is the I Am. And this morning you can know it. You are the sheep of His pasture and you can know it. And I better wrap all this up. Have you ever noticed this? Everybody at the moment is rushing around. Have you noticed that? My dad doesn't like the modern world. He can't even speak to a human being in a bank anymore. Everybody's just rushing away. And people are lacking human contact. uh, And I'm sure that's part of the reason why people are sad. This psalm says, Little sheep, slow down. The shepherd is in no rush today. People might be whizzing by. But there's always someone who has time for you. And this day, you can talk to Him about what you're going through and praise Him. He's here for you. The Lord is good, my friends. Verse 5. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. I better end with this. My dog, Evie, she features a lot in sermons. Uh, about a week and a half ago, she headbutted me, and now I've got a black eye. It's nearly gone now, though. Um, so, Evie the dog, she's good sometimes, and then she's bad sometimes. Although Rita blames me for the black eye, that's a different story this time. But Re- Evie, I think, takes time off from being good, and sometimes she's bad, and she headbutts people. Unlike God, There is no instance this week where he will take time off from being good. He won't do it. He won't do it. And if you like what's good, well think of Good Friday, the clearest display of goodness of all, where he gave his very best, his son, to save people from sin and death and judgment. And so we know, even if he doesn't explain himself To us this week of why he's allowing things. We know he's done enough to gain our trust. That he will work all things for good. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son. Who came from the father full of grace and truth. So. Shout for joy. And leave this area praising God. And be fog removers in this city again. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.